Welcome to the 1,000th episode of the Food for Your Soul podcast. I want to thank all of you who have supported this ministry and made this possible. It's amazing to think about 1,000 episodes multiplied times all the downloads of each particular episode all over the world. So exciting to think about the proliferation of the expository preaching of God's Word, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's fitting that on this episode, we happen to be on a passage that tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sometimes, the more famous the Bible verse, the more prone we are to miss the point of it. We all know Philippians 2, 9-11. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. But what's the purpose of that passage? Jesus is exalted, therefore... What? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen that now, therefore, what? We spent three weeks now talking about that, that, the humiliation of Christ, glorification of Christ. Now what? Therefore, what? Well, if you want to know what conclusion to draw from all that, what the so what is, uh, all you have to do is look at the next verse, verse 12. Therefore, there's the word. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the conclusion that God wants us to draw from all of this. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, and God exalted him to the very throne of judgment so that every knee will bow before him on judgment day. Therefore, just as you have always obeyed, keep doing it. Continue to obey. So the upshot of all this theology about the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is simply this. Obey. You know, you get people that are like these theology buffs, uh, these seminary students, they just argue and argue, and they write theses and all papers and everything on Philippians 2, and they're, they're going all at it, and they're digging in and digging in. And, and sometimes you wonder, at all that studying, are you missing the main point? Because the main point is, therefore, obey. Obey. You write a doctoral dissertation on Philippians 2, and you don't come up with the conclusion... Therefore, obey, then you're back in kindergarten. It is as clear as it can be. Therefore, as you've always obeyed, keep it up. Keep it up. Now, let me ask you this, though. When Paul says, therefore, is it referring, because therefore always refers back to what was just said, but is it referring back to, back to what? Back to, like, like, the whole, everything he said in the whole book so far, or just back to the six to eight section about humiliation? He humbled himself, therefore obey? Or is it nine to 11? He was exalted, therefore obey. I would suggest that he's, what he's referring to is the entire section with a two-pronged argument for why we should obey. Two reasons he's going to give us to obey. The first one is verses six to eight. Obey, obey because of Jesus' example. Uh, that's the most obvious connection with obedience because he uses the same word. And, and this is something even I can see this. So in verse 8, he says, He humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, so I see a correlation since that's the exact same word. Okay? So, so that one's easy. 
we should obey because we serve an obedient Savior. We should obey because we serve an obedient Savior. When I'm reluctant to humble myself and obey God, I need to ask the question, Daryl, are you greater than Jesus? Because that's, that's exactly the point, that, that's exactly the question that Jesus brought up in, in John 13. Um, I told you last time, scholars debate about this Philippians 2 section, where it came from. Was it a hymn? Was it a, a worship song that was already known? Was it some kind of a, um, established creed? Or did Paul just compose it right while he was writing the letter, this beautiful thing? Um, whatever the answer to all that is, where, whenever it was composed, wherever it was composed, I think it's a pretty good bet that it was modeled after John 13. I think the whole thing comes right out of John 13 because there's so many parallels. Um, John 13 is that passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I, I just, let me just show you some of the parables, or, I mean, the parallels between these two sections. Um, because when Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13, what do you suppose he was thinking about just before that event happened? Well, we know exactly what he was thinking about because it says, beginning of that chapter, it tells us exactly what Jesus was thinking first before he did this. In verse 3, John 13, 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he had come from God. He was thinking about the equality with God and being in the form of God that he had before he came down to earth. So that's how it starts. And then in verse 4, John 13, 4, he says, So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He's dressed like a slave. That's Jesus emptying himself and making himself in the form of a slave. So then verse uh, in John 13, 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so because that is what I am. He knew, he started out thinking about how everything was under his authority. Now he's talking about being the Lord and he says that's right and, then, and that's, that's verse 11 in Philippians 2. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he says, yep, that's what I am. And then in verse 14, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. An example. And that's verse 5 in Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and gives us the example. So you can see all these parallels. Um, now, back to the point that I'm making about John 13. So John 13 is the basis for all this. And what does he say in verse 16 of John 13? He says, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's Lord, he's master, he wasn't above humble obedience and service. And since we're not greater than him... We must humble ourselves and serve and be obedient. That's the, that's the argument. Which means, when I refuse to humble myself, I'm essentially saying, I'm greater than Christ. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to humble myself. I shouldn't have to... What, am I greater than Christ? So we obey because of Jesus' example in verses 6 to 8, and we obey because of Jesus' supremacy in verses 9 to 11. Now, here's the, here's the other part. He's the judge. 
He is the one who will determine our eternal destiny. He is the one before, every, before whom every knee will bow on judgment day. So we must obey and we must do so, it says, with, with fear and trembling in verse 12. Fear and trembling. You do not want to go toe-to-toe with the Lord Jesus Christ. You will lose. You will lose. If you're on a bike, you don't play chicken with a bulldozer, with an earth mover. Right? It's not wise. It's, Jesus is the almighty judge. He is the great sovereign who reigns over all. And if you resist his will, he will crush you on judgment day. But if you gladly embrace his will and you follow him down the path of suffering, you will share in his supremacy and his exaltation and glory and reign with him forever. This is Romans eight seventeen. We are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Your sweet spot in life is a place of humble obedience before the Lord Jesus Christ. That comment Jesus made in John 13 about a servant not being greater than his master is so striking. I want to learn to make it a habit of always asking myself that question. Every time something goes wrong, and I I just want to catch myself and say, okay, Daryl, something just went wrong. Before you say anything, before you complain, before you grumble, before you reject this as something that shouldn't have happened to you, just answer this question. Are you greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. Try to remember to ask yourself that question every time you suffer in any way over the next couple days. Remind yourself that the Son of God had to suffer. And as his servants, it's our place to follow in his steps. I want to honor you, Father, in the way I suffer. Let all hardship drive me toward obedience as I follow in Jesus' steps. The answer to the question is no, I am not greater than Jesus. And so if he suffered and remained obedient, I must endure hardship and remain faithful. This is love for you, to obey your commands. And your commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of you overcomes the world. All of your laws are good. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law, forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before everyone and will not be ashamed. For I delight in your commands, because I love them. I meditate on your decrees. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. At midnight, 
I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort, according to your promise to your servant. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.